We are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. Happy holidays, people. It's almost that time. It's almost that time. Jingle bells, presents. <laughs> Today on the Working Arts Project, though, I got Kiali. Kiali is a French woman of Cameroonian descent. Her story is unique and colorful, with triumph and motivation being the base of those used. She grew up an expat, living and experiencing a multitude of languages and cultures, which gave her a unique perspective on the world at a very young age. Kiali's journey to the bandstand was littered with detours, setbacks, and episodes of depression. Through all of this, she managed to tenaciously fight her way to the life she envisioned for herself. You would think after experiencing so many challenges, she would be cold and withdrawn, but instead she is quite the opposite. Please help me welcome Kiali to the Working Artist Project. So which place would you say you have the strongest cultural connection with? Um, as I said, as a third culture kid, your roots are not like everybody else's. You but do have roots. When you introduce yourself, you say you were French. I'm French because that's that's what my passport is, and you know I grew up being identified by my passport. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a black woman by definition. I'm also African. You're like black. <gasps> I swear, <laughs> you know. But it's true. I carry I carry Africa on my skin. You know. Mm-hmm. You see me. You know that there is something about Africa in the background. Right. So that's 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 a given. The French, not so much, because I don't even sound like a Frenchie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, when you grow up, third culture, your roots are different. You're not attached to any particular place. Right. The longest, con- the longest I've stayed in a country was in Doha. Really? Right? Yeah, that's the longest I actually stayed in a country. Wow. Okay. So does that make me Qatari? Probably not, yeah. obviously. But, <laughs> but there is a connection there, mm-hmm. you know? But the place I always seem to go back to is Germany. Does that make me German? Maybe. Well, how long did you live in Germany growing up? I didn't. You didn't. But every year I was in Germany. Okay. And I grew up speaking the language. Right. And now having a choice to move back somewhere, I chose to move back to Germany. Germany. Wow. You know, because I can't. It's not even like, see, most people would say, oh, I'm going home. And then they're thinking about the country their parents are from or whatnot. But... Really, it's Germany now, but it could have been, I don't know. Right. Zimbabwe or something. Right, right, right. (laughs) At heart, you're just nomadic. Yes. You know what I mean? I I am. And I'll probably be for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. you know. And and you do need some form of foundation. That's why I moved back to Germany because my family's there. I needed a place to have a bank account because I didn't have that. You know, maybe a place to have a family home or some weird thing like that, you know. But I know that I'll probably be somebody that moves around. Forever. That's Forever. just how I'm, you know, programmed. Okay. So when did the music come into play in your life? From the beginning. My mom was a singer. I remember being three years old, seeing her on stage going, wow. It's her that's fault. so cool. Okay. <laughs> I, I used to sit and watch her rehearse, you know, do mm-hmm. her dancing and her singing. And even though I started off, I started off more of a dancer. Um, even though I did sing before I spoke, I was more of a dancer. I liked to dance. You know, I did a bit of gymnastics as well. 
Um, and my mom used to say that I, I was a terrible singer, so I just figured. <laughs> From the beginning, she... There was a catch. Yeah, yeah. She used to say I was a terrible singer. I remember as far as, I don't know, I was 10, I think. I was trying to sing along with her on something. She was like, yeah, no, not for you. No. Mm-mm. So right. I focused on Why dancing. do you think she took that approach? Um, in hindsight, what I understand is she didn't particularly want this life for me. Mm-hmm. She she was aware of how lonely it can get, you know, and how you don't sleep at night, <laughs> you know, and everything is kind of reverse and you're mm-hmm. always on the road. And, you know, I think my mom definitely wanted more of a nuclear, stable, you know, life for me. Right. Husband, big advance, golden retriever. But you can see because she was moving you all around the world. Yes. You know yes, what I mean? So yes. she's, she gets, she probably had some remorse yes, or some feeling like, absolutely. I wish I had like somewhere to just lay this baby down. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. She wanted me to have more solid roots. She mm. was hoping that for me. But, you know, your calling is your calling. It doesn't matter what you do. Right. Yeah. Case but in you, point. you didn't go straight to it, though. You took the no, long route. No, I didn't. Route. I didn't. I totally, totally took the long route. Because, you know, when you're told for a long time something over and over again, you believe it, you know. I figured I wasn't a very good singer. And I was trying to sing the songs, and I sounded terrible. Mm-hmm. But I did have a thing for, actually, it started because I got knee surgery mm-hmm. on both my knees. I grew up a bit too fast, and when I was dancing... Um, for years, I did a bit of ballet and um, traditional Hindi dance. Oh. And so it caused my feet to grow, you know, outwards. Uh-huh. So as I was growing up, apparently my kneecaps didn't follow. So I got myself at 13 having to get the surgery to put my feet back um, straight. Wow. So Otherwise, yeah, my kneecap kept moving. For you, right. for those of you who don't know, like when you're about when you do ballet, yeah, you always have to. I don't know what it's called. My sister did ballet, but they had to do the thing plie, maybe. No, that's not it. That's when you do the um, thing. Well, it's it's the first position because I don't okay, know how you call pos- it in, okay. in, in English. The but thing, the V with your feet. Yes. Well, it, more than a V, it should be a straight line. Should, oh, okay. Right. That the goal is to spread your feet out so much that it's basically a straight line between both. And plie is when you bend your knees right. down. Right? I should know this. I dated this dancer, and she's probably listening well, anyway. Yeah. Donna, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> So, um, but in Hindi dance, it's the same thing, actually, right? Where you, your first position is the feet like that, and then you do everything else. So I pushed on that for a while, mm. and my kneecaps kept traveling. So I would find myself with a kneecap in the back, which oh, your knee shit. the other way. Fuck. It hurts like a mother. <laughs> it really does. So when I was 13, they said, okay, the only thing we can do is open cut the bone, twist, and do all types of things. So I find myself at 13 and 14, because it was both knees, not being able to dance, not being able to move, not being able to do anything. Wow. So with all this time on my hands, I start writing, and I start singing, and I start coming up with melodies, and, you know, kind of going vocal, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it wasn't something that I started doing before. So you just needed a different artistic outlet. Basically, you know. It had to, some form of art had right. to, you know, had to happen in my life. And Your I guess, mom, she's lucky because it's more difficult to be a dancer than it is to be really? a singer. Oh, for sure. One hundred percent. Well, I'll take your word for it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Probably, I guess. I don't know. 
But um, but yeah, so I found myself singing, and then my cousins started visiting, and we started singing all together. And I had the T-Boss haircut because I was cool. I had baggy jeans and, mm-hmm. you know, Calvin Klein, boxer shorts Calvin you know, Klein. and everything. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, my, my cousins were um, were cool and, uh, no, they were sexy and, and crazy. Did and, y'all burn any houses down, though? No, oh, okay. no, no, we didn't get know. to that step. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to that step. But, yeah, my crazy cousin was pretty crazy, though. Was she? Um yeah, yeah, no, but it was good times. It was good times because we were discovering, you know, what we could do. Our harmonies were on point, you know, but we were also developing our personalities. And, you know, bear in mind, my mom still says that I, I'm terrible at singing oh, and wow, okay. um, that I should focus on school, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm really just doing this because I like it and I find myself really comfortable doing it you know, along with the dancing, but I know that I have to go to school and, but wherever I went, I found myself involved with musicians, Ah. especially at the time it was hip hop, you know, and I was rapping a little bit. So you're in college rapping? Well, yeah, uh, no. Wait, what year is this? Like 2000? It was 2000. So I finished high school in 2000 and then I went to Germany for a while on a hiatus for like a year and a half and then I went back to college. So so what was going on in Germany? It was just, you know, when I when I had my high school degree, I tried to go to university for languages for a while, but I didn't like it because I was bored. Because mm-hmm. I spoke most of the languages that I'd taken, except Japanese. Okay. And Japanese is really hard to learn. I got the <laughs> You know, like after all of that, I right. only remember like three words. Right. And um, so I decided to move to Germany. As I said, it's a place that I keep going back to, mm-hmm. you know, for some reason. So I moved to Germany to be with my cousins because by then we had, you know, developed a little bit of a following and we were trying to, you know, build something. And I was writing some songs and we were okay. getting gigs. And then we were part of this group, this collective with rappers. Like it was legit, you know. So I stayed for a year in Germany and I turned down my first uh, contract offer. To go to Germany because I didn't want to abandon my cousins. What? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> Come on now. No regret. You know, it, yeah. it is what it is. But it was good to have that offer, though, because it, it felt like, you know, maybe I do know a little bit. Right, right, right. What right. I'm it was doing. First, like, validation. <laughs> right? right. Is it, I mean, mom says I can't, but maybe I do. So I stayed in Germany for a while, and then um, my mom stopped talking to me. Really? Oh, yeah, it was that serious. My mom didn't talk to me for a while because she was very disappointed. She wanted me to go to school so mm-hmm. bad. And Germany wasn't going the way it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually when my mom started talking to me again, I was at a point where I was like, okay, I need to do something. You know, because I had a day job. I was a salesperson in a clothing store. And I remember finding myself scrubbing gum from the floors. Oh, no. <laughs> and I remember thinking, really? Right. <laughs> this is what you're going to do for your life? And and so it it all kind of meshed right when my mom was like, just go back to school. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a few years. And then you know what? After that, I'll give you all the money you want. You can go to a music school. You know, we can build that if you want. But please, just go to a regular school first. And I was like, all right. Yeah, that I sounds like a that. good deal. Sounds like a good deal. So I went back to France. Okay. And I and I and I found this business school and I they had these like um tests over 2 days to be able to be eligible um to get into the school. Okay. 
um, it was like uh, psychometrics and all types of things. I hadn't been to school in about a year, year and a half. I was like, like... I'm going to fail, but at least I tried. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, But no, I didn't fail. And uh, I ended up going to the school for five years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just got it done. You know what? I did it. And the thing that was interesting is that while I was doing that, I, again, got involved in music. Um, an independent label, a local label, signed me. Okay. And I started recording some things and, you know, trying to do some things. But I also knew that the school program was such that I would have to leave at some point. So I knew it was going to be temporary. But I got involved as much as I could, you know, got into bands and a cappella group okay. and, you know, doing all that stuff. Cool. So I did that for, like, five years. And So that in that five years, you got your master's degree also yeah okay so the fifth year in new york was the master's degree ah so you went okay that's when i went to new york you did some time in new york i did some time in new york (laughs) yes yes which was another quite interesting adventure because i ended up in a movie when i went to new york oh yeah which one it's called prince of broadway okay it's an independent movie um, and it was just, they had, uh, they had a casting in my lobby and I was waiting for my landlord <laughs> and the director was like, you're here for the casting. I was like, no, yes, you are. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, and that was, that was, it was interesting because in hindsight, I'm looking back at all these things and they were all part of this preparation almost. And I didn't realize, obviously, you know, being in the movie acting, you know, when you're on stage singing, you are. Right. Acting. acting. That's yeah. why a lot of singers end up trying to be in movies because, you know, you're developing that ability to to play the character that you're singing, mm-hmm. you know. So that was part of, of me developing what was going to become my persona or, you know, the kind of performance. It just I seems am. to me the universe was just like, yo, listen, whatever you are doing, you need to be doing this. Yes. You know, but I didn't see that at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time I was just trying to like do as much as I could to be artistic, even though I was also working really hard to be normal. So what would you say, tell someone like in your position or someone coming up whose parents maybe not, not that they're not supporting them, but they think that they should do, you know, do something else first and then pursue the art thing. What what would you say? I think it depends on personalities very much. I think I definitely at the time had um, a personality that was more aligned with the way things went. The person I am now would probably have just done what she wanted mm-hmm. because I am more secure in my knowing that that's what I want. Whereas in my 20s, I was flexible, right, you right. know. As most and of us as are. As most of us are. And it was also the, you know, the daughter, the child that we are, at the end of the day, wants to make our parents proud you know and I grew up to be close to my mom I don't really you know talk to my father so my mom was like the only parent that I had so she was the parent I didn't want to piss off right right, if mama session wants me to get a degree I got a degree (laughs) so I went to get the degree you know and even though I wasn't particularly happy I knew that's what was expected of me and that's the normal thing to do you go to school you get a degree find a nice guy get married have children you know all of that right that's the normal thing and i was trying my darndest to be as normal as i could and then you realize that you were just a freaking weirdo (laughs) (laughs) but you know what 
I always stood out. And and I, as an artist, you would understand that. You always, like, of course. you're like a sore thumb, you right. know. And, and, and without even saying anything, people look at you and they're like, yeah. something not right about you. What you doing here, you know? Right. And I remember when I was when I had my day jobs, it was always the same comment I had from my colleagues. You don't belong here. We are normal people. Right. You need to be somewhere else. You know, and, and but I was trying to, 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 to do the right thing, you know. And then a friend of mine told me, You need to stop. Mm-hmm. You're an artist. Yeah. I was like, No, I'm not. He was like, right. Yes, you are. I was like, Okay, maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what was that journey like? So you, you well, well, let's. So you did college, and then after college, you you got a job. First, after college, so I graduate uh, end of two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Massive recession in the world. Right. I'm a fresh graduate. Nobody's going to give me a job. Okay. Plus, I had an agreement with my mom. Right. Oh, that's right. right. We got to uh, pay up. Pay up. <laughs> I got you your degree. It's time for it's time for the reckoning. Right. right? Well, let me this is like the degree. The first one, you, the first two you got were inexpensive, I'm assuming. Um, the, the MBA degree, yeah. it, it was expensive. It was expensive? Yeah. So you, but you had scholarships or? No, it was all self-paid. Oh, you self-paid? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All self-paid. Okay. So you yeah, know? she got to pay up now. You don't work hard. Right. This time. Yeah, okay. So it's like, you know, we, we, we said so. So, and, and my mom had like, my mom had dished out a lot of money as well for me to, for me to do this. So when I got here, she was here at the time. When I got here, and I was like, "All right, mom, you know, degree." You mean here in Doha? Yeah, here. Yeah. She was. She was here in Doha, um, and I wanted to go back into dancing because I hadn't danced in such a long time. And then from there, maybe move on to something you know else. Because I'm still not sold on the whole singer thing. Oh, okay, that's what I've been doing this whole time. But I'm still not a hundred percent sold that I can do it. You know, because I had these moments of complete disbelief in my ability. You know, and I stopped singing like 300 times. I quit. I retired. Right, I'm like right. Jay-Z like that. I retired and I come back with an album. Right. Um, and so my mom said, I'm sorry, honey, I'm broke. Wow. And I was depressed for a year. For a year, I didn't get out of the room. What? Literally. I, I would get out, eat, or not. But for a year, I was like, what am I going to do? And I remember falling to my knees one day praying to you know god source whoever you call it cookie monster i don't know but i was praying and i was i was i was so it was despair because i was like i don't know what i'm supposed to do Mm -hmm. you know all i know is that i want to perform because that's what makes me happy why won't you let me perform make it easy for me why are you making this so difficult Mm -hmm. you know when you're mad at god and all of that so um my mom and I had a huge fight, and then she was like, you need to stop dreaming and get a job. Wow. And it hit me, because I was just sitting in that room, and I had no way whatsoever, you know, to, to, to do what I wanted to do. So I did what I'm supposed to do. I got up, and I went and found a job in mm. a really good company. Okay. And the thing is, when you have your MBA and you're, 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 you're studying for it, they tell you that's what managers have, right? That's, that's what, like, the big, big guns in a company. But you're a fresh graduate. Ain't nobody going to give you no manager job. Right. So looking for a job, all I could find was a receptionist. 
Are you Jake. fucking kidding so me? So I got out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so I got out of that school and a year of depression, and I ended up being a receptionist. Paid a lot of money to be a receptionist. Oil <laughs> 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 in this oil company. And I had that thought so many times. All this to be a receptionist. Mm. But I had to work because I wasn't earning any money. Right, and my mom and I had fallen out. And... I had moved out. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, bless her, she had traveled, and then she came back, and I was gone. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. So I had to work. So I took the job, but my boss was aware, you know, so she was like, just do this until I find out how to get you something more challenging. Mm-hmm. And it took some time, but eventually, after six months, I was doing something a bit more challenging. And just when she was ready to give me a really good job. I lost the gig, the job, because of, you know, here you have, like, um, residency and visas and things like that. Right. And so they couldn't sponsor me and my mom couldn't sponsor me because she was still legally married. It was something super complicated. So they couldn't employ me anymore. Wow. Yeah. So here you go. Next challenge. (laughs) So after that, I became a real estate agent. Oh, shucks. Okay. Hey, you know what? Do what you got to do. I hated that job. My God. But I did it. at your core of your being, you're just a hustler. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I am my mother's daughter. Okay. (laughs) You know, I I, I did what I had to do. And I was lucky enough to have people around me that were willing to let me crash on Mm -hmm. their couches or had an extra room. Like, I lived with this girl for a while. She let me get away with with not paying rent because she knew I couldn't. But, you know, she was like, it's okay. I can afford it. You know, when you're ready, let me know. So even in my downfall, I still had, like, people right. looking out for me, you know? It's called community. Community. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah still hope for so, us. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and, and in the meantime, I'm still needing people here and there, you know, that are like, you know, it's a rapper that wants a chorus. Right. Or, you know, stuff like, you know, okay, how it so is. Okay, so you're still hustling your music, too. A little too. bit. Like, Multiple you know, income streams. Right? Okay. S- trying here and there, you know, <laughs> writing songs for other people mm-hmm. and trying to still keep my foot. Because, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. I realized that I think throughout this whole thing, it was keep, keeping that foot in that was helping me cope, you know having that outlet to be able to kind of balance it out. Yeah. So, yeah, and that went on and on and on for nine years. Nine years. Yeah, doing music on the side. After that, I started meeting people and doing things and more gigs and things like that, but still doing the day job. Mm. And uh, at some point, I convinced myself I want both. Okay. I'm just going to do both. I can do both. Okay. You know, I can do the day job thing and then, you know, perform at night and it'll be perfect. And that's and when you picked up your bad sleeping habits. So <laughs> <laughs> no, back then I just didn't sleep at all. Okay. <laughs> I had I had gotten myself to a point where I had um, six nights a week I had gigs and I worked five days a week. So I had one day. It was my Monday. Mondays was the only day I had that I was off. Wow. And that was the day I slept. That's insane. Right. It was pretty bad. But I also had a loan that I'd taken to help out my dad at some point, mm-hmm. and I needed to pay it off. Right. So you had to hustle. Right. So I had to earn as because, you know, you pay little by little every month. You know, right. It's not going anywhere. Right. You know, and you want to get to the point where you can save a little bit. So 
I was working and working, and I thought I had actually found a job that I really liked. Okay. I was a recruiter um, for flight deck in an airline. Okay. And I loved it. Okay. I loved it. I, I, I was making a difference during the day, helping these guys, you know, find a position in the career they dreamt, they, they dreamt of. Yeah. And I guess it resonated with me, you yeah, know, right. and and me wanting the big, you know, the big shot where I would be given the chance to have the career that I dreamt of, you know? And I loved it. And then one morning I went to work and <laughs> four hours later they told me that uh, I was fired with immediate effect and that wow. I just had five minutes to pack my stuff and go. See, y'all, right now y'all learning about adversity. <laughs> 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 so you have five minutes. <laughs> get out of there See, five minutes they're standing right there what were you doing stealing snacks from the airplane what were you doing no <laughs> you know what one of my colleagues went to the CEO and told him that I sang on the side uh, and he was like no you forgot about the side hustle clause no side hustle clause in your contract you know contract. what nobody told me because when they <laughs> hired me I was a singer right you right, know right. And I guess this chick just had to be for something. I don't know. I'll never know. Or maybe God spoke to her at night and said, okay, this is what you're going to do. Right. You know? And actually, that that year, everything that had led up to that was kind of hard, but I managed. But that year, oof, it kicked my ass. Wow. It did. Like, it, it was one of those, it was hard because I lost my job, got my heart broken, Frozen account, travel ban, betrayal from one of my closest friends. Like, everything was just, you know, brewing together in this disgusting gunk. And it felt like I was being, you know, um, I always say it felt like the country was in labor trying mm -hmm. to push me out. Wow. Right? It was like, you need to get out of this. And I was, like, stuck from all sides. And uh, and I had to get another job because here, when you have a loan, you can't not have an employer. Okay. So I had to get another day job. And um, they were very nice people. But by then, I was miserable. Mm -hmm. I was miserable waking up in the morning having to sit in that office, you know, and dealing with all the other stuff that I was dealing right. with. Like, I was, I was about ready. So, like, from this adversity, what was, what's the one thing you learned? from all of that Ooh. <laughs> um hindsight is 2020 definitely sometimes stuff happens that doesn't make sense and it's only later that it does mm -hmm. like when i got to the point where i made the decision i'm leaving i'm stopping this pretending to be normal nonsense and i'm embracing the weirdo you know it was because of all of that. Right. You know, if it weren't for all of that, I would have stayed in my status quo. And maybe I would have, you know, stayed with that guy and we got married right. and had the, you know, picket fence and golden retriever and whatnot. But I would have probably stopped singing at some point. Right. You know? You wouldn't have fulfilled your life purpose. Mm, you know, at the end of the day, when I think about how hard my mom tried to steer me away... And how, in the end, it still ended up here. It definitely feels like life purpose. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Wow. It feels like a calling. Mm -hmm. So now I'll just go wherever the music takes me. 
Now you're a free bird. I'm free. And that's what I'm grateful for every day. That's probably why I'm not sleeping. See? <laughs> you don't, you just don't, you still, you still in bliss. God I'm damn, I'm bliss. free. I'm free. <laughs> really? <laughs> I have these moments where I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I get to wake up every day and just do what I want to do. Yeah, especially right now in Doha. This is the easiest life ever. Easy. You got a butler. Mm. <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> I, can dial, I can dial that button without looking at the phone. Like, right. <laughs> exactly. No, it's a good life. It's a good life to, mm-hmm. you know, even on the days where you're tired or you don't feel like it, once you get on the stage... You feel like it, yeah. you know? Oh, for sure. Whereas at a regular job, if you don't feel like it, there's nothing that can make that go away. You just don't feel like it, it until it's time to go home. feel like it. Yeah. You're just waiting for it to be over so you can go home. Yeah. You know, that's when you know you're exactly where you need to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Have you faced any, did you, or did you face any social challenges while living here in the Middle East or anywhere else because of your sex or your race or anything like that? Actually... Um, here, no, never, mm. uh, or at least not from the locals, but I was actually thinking about that this morning and I, a few times, you know, I've had the odd, she can't sing for shit, like what she doing, you know, or I think the strangest one was you're too dark to be successful. And that oh came from, a, that, <laughs> what? that came from a black American. Oh, well, and I realized that indeed a lot of the resistance that I did get mm. were from either Black Americans or Africans. Interestingly, really, actually, yes. I think you could call it brainwash. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Like mm. I, it, it hit me this morning, and I was like, "Wow!" Because you know, the 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 other cultures, as soon as you can hold a little bit of a note, they're like, "Oh my god." It's so great, oh, you know, okay. and it, it's it's us, our community, that's a bit more judgmental of each other because, you know, so many of us can do it in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's all that, I don't know, that history and, mm-hmm. you know, all that background that causes us sometimes to say stupid shit. Right. All right. And but the, the few really nasty things I heard were from people that should actually be supportive. And I would have never, I would have never thought that, mm, you know, especially coming from America, like people, you know, the media tells us yeah. that, you know, the Middle East is like this Mm-mm. place where they oppress women. And I'm not saying that they don't oppress women, but from the experience that I've had being here, yeah. um, I haven't seen it. This country outright. is run by women. Well, every country is one run by women. Nah. <laughs> no, no. You don't think so? Uh-uh. Okay. No, no, no. I'm telling you, Saudi is not run by women. No. But... <laughs> But this country, if you think about the educational system, it was put together by Sheikh Hamoza, the mother of the current emir. If mm. you look at the arts, it's uh, the daughter. If you look at, you know, the women here, they drive, they work. They, the only thing is that you recognize them because of their cultural right. outfits. Of course. Um, but they can travel. Yeah. You know, they can, they can do things that women in the West can do. If anything, they have a bit more power because whatever they say kind of goes. Really? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. But I also know that in terms of perception from Europe or the States, 
You know, it looks like there are bombs flying everywhere and they're all locked up in their houses. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but at the same time, I also know that in Europe there are women that are locked up and mistreated, Mm. you know. I don't think it's fair to say that it's typical to the Middle East. Right. And you know, you heard it here first because she lived everywhere. I lived everywhere. (laughs) I've seen, I've definitely seen it. I can say that this country particularly, it's not... As bad. There's still some differences, of course, mm. but it's not as bad as they're trying to sell it. Of course. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, I like to talk about success on this podcast yes. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when you think of a successful person, like, who do you think of and why? I think of two people. Okay. The first person I think about is probably because of how she faced adversity, um, Tina Turner. Oh, okay. I love what Tina Turner was able to do the second half of her career, you know, because all the odds were against her. You know, she'd left the person that had made her, and she had nothing, Mm. you know, and and she was able to rebuild and even go beyond that. And I'm very, very inspired by that strength. And even her ability to balance her public life and her private life, that inspires me a lot. The second person would have to be um, Sir Richard Branson. Oh, okay. Virgin yes. Okay, all right. Because he's one of the few that was able to create success out of just following his gut and what he likes. You know, it's not because he had a talent, say, Bill Gates had a talent, okay. you know, for IT. Um, well, that talent still had to be developed. It, it did, but it, it it's very specific. It's a specific niche. Mm-hmm. Richard Branson just really liked music. And, he, you know, with his buddies, they opened a place where they could listen to music and people could just get some if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. That's literally what created Virgin Megastores, mm-hmm. right? It's just because he liked music and wanted a place where he could listen to it as much as he wanted. Right. It's not that he developed the, the knowledge or the skill of IT, and and so, you know, tried to build something on that. And then from there, this guy just, you know, decides, okay, what do I like now? All right, let me try this, right. you know. To have the ability to just follow your gut and follow what your heart wants you to do and be able to thrive from that, I think it's magic. That's some bad shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. But, you know, the thing about success is it comes with this other thing called failure. Now, you didn't really talk about any failures. You talked about challenges in your life. So what, what what's, like, the biggest failure that you've ever had, and how did you overcome it? The biggest failure I've ever had? Well, I, I would definitely say when I was thinking about my life, you know, when you're like, where are you going to be when you're 30? I was in a different place overall, okay. you know? Everything about my life was different by the time I'm 30. I'm 34. Okay. I am nowhere near. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere near where I thought I was going to be. I can second you in that one. Right? And and I think that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate felt because you you do feel, you look back and you're like, I haven't done anything. Mm. I don't have enough savings. I have nothing to show for 34 years of life. Is that how you honestly feel though? No, it's not. You know, because at the end of the day, when you've gone through adversity, you know that nothing lasts. Mm. And you know that sometimes it looks a certain way, but in retrospect, it's not. And, and, and 
your mindset defines everything. I read a lot about, you know, um, quantum theory mm-hmm. and the power of the mind, and because I do believe that you are who you are defines what your life is. You know, and so if you believe that you know you, you're you're a terrible failure and you suck at something, for years I didn't follow my dream because I thought I sucked at singing. Right. You know, even though I had proof in my reality in my life that it wasn't the case, I didn't pursue it because I didn't believe I could. You know, and then I got to a point where it was all I was doing, but I still had this clutter. But once I believed that I could, you know, I became unstoppable. It didn't matter, you know, that I don't have the stable job and the stable income. And, you know, of course, every now and then your mind is like, what are you doing? You're 34. What you mean you quit to be a singer? Right. right. Right? But it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I know, I know different. Yeah. You know? So if you could go back and tell your 25-year-old self something today <laughs> or some things, yeah. what would that be? The first thing I'd tell her is it's not that serious. And <laughs> 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 you know what I mean. Relax. <laughs> Relax. It ain't that serious. It's not that serious, honey. It'll be fine. Um, I spent a lot of time worrying in my 20s. I did a lot of time worrying. Even in me enjoying my 20s, going out, partying, whatever, mm-hmm. there was always this underlying worry, what if right. I fail miserably at all of this stuff? <laughs> like, what if right. I suck terribly, <laughs> you know? And then the, the smallest things become this big deal because it's like they, you know, they validate who you are, right. you know? And literally, I turned 30, it's like something changed in my head. I was like... Man, fuck that. Exactly. (laughs) You know? It's funny how life works because when you're a young kid, you're trying to do something new, like ride a bike or go to a dance Mm. class or karate or whatever. You're just like, oh, yeah, I'm the best at it. Yeah. You know? Like, I have this memory of my cousin. I was like, what are you going to be when you grow up? He's like, I'm going to be a ninja turtle. And he just believed that that's what he was going to be. You know what? There's nothing better than a ninja turtle. But you lose that somewhere somewhere in there around in your teenage years and then especially in your 20s and you go to school and whatever, you get out and you're like, oh, shit, like, how do I make this happen? And it's pressure. And then you get to your 30s and you you kind of relax again. You do you know? know why, though, you lose that? Why? Because the word you hear the most in your childhood is no. Mm. No, don't. No, you can't do that. Right. No, it's not okay to do that. And so you grow up with no in your head. You know, and then in your teenage years, you're too busy having hormonal issues right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're angry at everyone. So it doesn't really matter. Right. But it's not until you become an adult ish. I'm still trying to figure out this adulting thing, but um, where, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's really up to you and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But even so. So I know people who still struggle with that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. With yeah. with with. Just owning to what it is that you want to do. And, yeah, if it works out great, if it doesn't, meh, right. <laughs> do something else. Right. Exactly. That's you just know? how it works. That's really just how it works. But, as I said, if I ever have children, one thing that I definitely will remind them over and over again is that their mindset defines everything. See, you know, we're going to stop right there because that, that is the absolute truth of Your life. mindset defines everything everything Everything. your life will always reflect who you are Mm. not what you want not what you need Mm -hmm. who you are 
If you're a pessimist idiot, is it pessimist idiot or pessimistic idiot? I'm not sure. I'm know. failing well, in English whatever. right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you're pessimistic, chances are your life is going to look pretty bleak. You of course, know? Yeah. That's why the rich get richer, because yeah. they expect yeah. wealth wherever they go. And that's why when you're broke, you're broke. You're broke. Yeah, that broke <laughs> mindset. This is true. It is, you know? So I want to finish, finish this thing off just by uh, getting five things. You gave me one already. Okay. But give me five more things mm. that you're most grateful for in your life. Being able to wake up living the life that you choose is a massive blessing that not everybody has. Mm. I'm realizing that. All right? It's, 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 it's huge because a lot of people are stuck in the rat race and can't figure out how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I'm grateful for how accessible knowledge is. You know, there was a time where you had to figure stuff out kind of blindly, you know? And right now, you can just literally go online on your phone or whatever and find out how something works or how to do something or read somebody's story because all it takes is one person. If it's possible for one person, it's possible for all people that are willing to do the same thing, right? And I love how... I love living in an era where this is available to me Mm -hmm. because... Considering where I was born, of course, you know my life could have turned out so different, mm. and 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 so I'm I'm really grateful for this turnout. I'm grateful for the adversity because if it weren't for the adversity, I wouldn't know what I can handle. Mm. I wouldn't be clear on what I, I wouldn't have found out that I am an artist that has the ability to act normal. but you know deep down I'm a weirdo and I'm okay with that so that's three four I'm gonna go emotional but my family obviously Mm. because if you don't have support you got nothing right and five hmm five I'm grateful in advance for the future wow that's good yeah yo guys so I wanna thank Miss Kiali. Thank you <laughs> for having me. <laughs> for coming on a working artist project. Man, I want you to I want you to say goodbye in as many languages as you can right now. Go, uh, goodbye, go. really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, goodbye. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Adios. Tot sins. Ma'asalama. Namaste. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Working Artist Project. But before you go, I just need you to do one more thing. Don't forget to hit the like button and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. You can also reach me at DarianDouglas.com. Just when you get there, just go to the contact page, drop me a line. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know if you like the podcast. I want to know if you want to hear certain topics, whatever it is. Just let me know. Let me know what it is, and I'll I'll do my best to make it happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I forget, also, you can catch me on Facebook by typing in The Working Artist Project, uh, or you can just type in Darian Douglas. I'm looking forward to connecting with you. Later. <laughs>